We went to a ball game yesterday. We did with similar fossils. Listeners, do you know how much it costs to get premium seats right behind home plate? Not the box seats, mind you, but just above them. So you can look down on all those people in the box seats. Great view of the pitches coming in. You could tell whether they were strikes or not. $18 at Nat Bailey Stadium. Normal tickets. Not a special deal or anything. You should really consider it because... That game was a blast yesterday. I really enjoyed that. Yep. It's pretty great. You just sit there and watch these guys and, you know, time goes by. It's quite pleasant. You're there with friends. See, you're either focused on the game for a bit and you talk about the game or you end up chatting about something else. Yeah. And that's the whole nature of the ball game. That's the way it is, you know, and it's expected in a way. Started out with a foot long hot dog, which looked like it was about 11 and a half inches, I'd say. (laughs) You know, like a two by four. It's not really two by four. I'm not going to bite on this to do dooch. Okay. I get that. He was trying to make the old, oh, I wish I'd measured for my theory that they're all short. And I not. really did want to bring measuring tape. And now we're supposed to be arguing about it again. I'm not going to do it. No. Because. You're not going to bite. No. I get it. I think it was a foot. That. It looked pretty close to a foot. Yeah. Who knows, really? I didn't care. You know those snacks are wildly overpriced. But not as wild as they could be. No, not so as in wild as it Similar to the tickets being cheap, I thought that the prices were pretty decent, yeah. I thought. But the other thing about the footlong was I thought that's going to be so unwieldy and I'm going to buy two six-inchers. And then I realized the footlong really does make sense. You only have to unwrap it from its foil once to add all the stuff. Way less overhead. And so I went with that, and uh, now I'm a big believer in footlongs, you know, if you have the appetite. Well, if you ever go to Costco for their world-famous $1.50 dog and a drink, that's a footlong, basically, I think. Nope. No, it's not. I just had one three days ago. Ooh, I thought it was pretty close. Yeah. No, it's the dog. and I mean, maybe they've even been shrinking them in order to keep Ooh. them at a buck fifty. But my God, that was so great. I had one at Costco the other day and uh, just walked up to the terminal. I punched it in. There were about 10 people around waiting for stuff. And as I'm grabbing the slip, I hear a call out number 133. And then I look at my slip and it's 134. And then she says 134 and I'm going, what? But I guess all those people were waiting for pizzas or nachos or things that need some prep. She, they've got all those dogs just already tinfoiled and ready to go. And I turn around, I look and there she is just putting it down on the counter. Foomp. And my empty cup was great. Yeah, well, it's the Costco shopping experience in general is very much like that too. Like if you go in there at the correct time, which, you know, there's a couple schools. The cashiers tell me that between one and three is the best time. Yeah. Well, when we went, it was busy and we were there to do a tire changeover because I've decided after our last experience with the Camry that I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm well, too old for that T-O-F-T. I'm yeah. going to start using that T-O-F-T and... Trademarked. Yeah. So I took it in and uh, listeners in the last chapter, when PJ and I did that, we changed over from some custom rims that I had bought back to the Toyota rims. And we didn't realize that those custom rims had little plastic spacers about little circles, spacers about three and a half inches in diameter that kind of interface between the wheels on the, on the Camry and the the custom rims. And when we pulled those uh, custom rims off, three of those spacers stayed on the Camry. So we tried to, we put the Toyota uh, wheels on, we tightened them down 
And within a day or two, the car was wobbling. You could feel it, you know, just, and people were pointing at it. People were unrolling their windows and telling me that I had this problem. So I finally, finally took it back to Decker's, which was where I bought the custom wheels. And they said, oh yeah, you got spacers on there. Well, I'd just been cranking those wheels down, just tightening and tightening. So what happened was I went to Costco a few days ago and they had to call me up in the store and said, come over to the tire center. So those three that I had tightened right down were all now obliterated. And they said, yeah. So what we'll do is we're going to put on your wheels here without the spacers and they'll probably be fine. So I've ordered four of them from Amazon used very good condition, (laughs) right? So anyway, I didn't realize I'd done all that damage because I didn't know that it's not supposed to have little lumps on it and stuff anyway. It's fine. Well, yeah. The too old for that thing is a thing for sure. It's just harder to get down on the ground. It's harder to grab things. It's harder to apply strength to things. I tried changing the oil on my Prius the other day. And I say I tried changing the oil. Well, I successfully changed the oil. But what I didn't successfully change was the oil filter. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Prius, and I believe Toyotas in general, I'm not 100% on this, went to a... Oh, now I'm going to forget the name. A so, special kind of oil filter. Well, oil filters used to be, they have a canister. I know those kind. Yeah, yeah. And you just screw it onto the block. Yeah. You're done, right? Yeah. And so the other kind has a permanent part that screws on to the block of the right. car. And then you have to put... And the paper part inside that actually does the filtering is the part you replace. Yes, right? yes, yeah. And apparently Toyota made the decision to go with this plastic replacement for the canister. Uh-huh. Because some arithmetic somewhere told them, and I thought this arithmetic was stated in a way that is supposed to appeal to the American market. It told them that if they went with the plastic, they would save the equivalent of three football stadiums. You could make three football stadiums with the steel they would save by not using canisters. Great, except for the canisters are just impossible, really hard to get off. So I bought the special wrench part that goes on top of the plastic canister. Yeah. And I applied whatever strength I could bring to bear. I even got the six pound hammer that I created my smashed thumb with Mm. and bashed on the handle of my wrench to get the thing turned. Nothing would work at all. I finally just gave up and left it on there. Too old for that. Next oil change I'm due up, I'm going to take it to somebody and they're going to take that thing off. They'll have a way of doing it. Well, I mean, a lot of the problem is access. Yeah. Like I've got the car jacked right. up on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah. I got it up on jack stands, but there's still not very much room. Yeah. And you don't, it's hard to get good leverage. I can't use a breaker bar, stuff like that. Where uh, in the olden days, in the days of my earlier youth, as opposed to this part of my youth, I would manage that somehow. Um, this time I just thought, you know what? Screw this. I'm leaving it on there. Yeah. <laughs> just going to yeah. leave it. And next time somebody else will do it. And oh, well. Yeah. You could take it to one of those cheapo places or... Yeah, I think probably I'll actually bite the bullet and go to Toyota because I want them to be the ones that break that thing if it breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the guys at the cheapo place break it, yeah, I'm going to guess they'll I'll be you, on the hook for buying the yeah, new one. Yeah, they'll tell you, oh, it was cracked already or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and oh, we had them in stock because they break all the time and they're only $38 a piece, which yeah. of course they'll be making a profit. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, this is my cynical nature betraying me. Hmm. But- It's part of the same thing. Too old for that. Too old for that. 
KJ's not here, so I guess I'll save the story of him and I working on his truck. Actually, I'm not going to save it because it fits right into the too old for that. Okay, let's go. So KJ, as many of our listeners will know, is the proud and long, long time owner of a 64 International Travel All, which is about a two ton truck based panel vehicle. Forest green. Extra for X forest forestry vehicle, I believe, and it's painted forest green. He's had it for, since about 1978 or something like that. So he called me a while back and said, Hey, I got a gas leak out of my tank. I got to pull it out of there and see what's going on. You want to give me a hand? I said, great. That'd be fun. Cause it is fun doing these things. Right. So we get his, get over here, get his truck lined up outside. First thing, got to get the gas out of the tank. I've handled gas tanks in cars with gas in them and it's really hard. They weigh a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to get that. Well, we oh, couldn't. siphoning gas then. Yeah, so we can't get the pipe down the filler neck. Siphon pipe won't go down. Yeah, we can't figure it out. We just can't get it to wow. go. Don't know why, just kept jamming, couldn't get it. Like a, on, on an old truck, I would have thought that's just a straight Should pipe. Should be cake. Whereas on new cars, it's full yeah. of weird like yeah. pollution control equipment. There was just something about the way it was. And I guess we're probably banging the pipe we had up against one of the joints in the filler neck, you know, probably couldn't figure it out anyway. So then we tried getting at it through the feed line to the fuel pump. We disconnected it from the pump, connected our siphon hose to it, tried siphoning through that. Couldn't get it to go. Just couldn't get it to go. We had lots of pipe, just couldn't get it. So then we thought, okay, you know what? Let's take off the filler neck, the place where you put the nozzle in at the gas station. Yeah. And we'll go straight into the tank through that opening. Cause that's like a two inch pipe, damn it. So we yeah. jack the truck up, uh-huh. get the mud flap out of the way. And you know, you're underneath there. It's dark. You can't see. We get a light, put the light under there so we can see. And Moby starts reefing away on this rubber filler neck connection. You know, you take the clamps off. They're always stuck with age. They don't ever come away easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's hauling away, hauling away. And it finally comes. And when it comes, about a cup and a half of gas comes with it, drops right down onto the trouble light we were using, which is basically a light bulb in a cage. So it doesn't break. Oh. So cold gas on hot glass, what happens? Oh. Instantly shatters. Oh. What happens when you instantly shatter an electric light? Oh. A spark. Oh. Instant flame. Just, no. Just whoosh. It's oh, going, right? Oh, classic. And Moby rolls out of there. He scorched a bunch of the hair off one side of his head. Oh, no. And he was lying on a blanket because it was a rainy day. The blanket now has gas in it, and it was some man-made material anyway, so it's just blazing away. And he goes, oh, oh, what do I do? I said, water, get water. So he goes <laughs> off to get water. And I was lying on carpet and I tried to get this piece of carpet and stuff it on top of the blanket to smother it, but the so carpet's still too burning. stiff. Oh, it's it's going, right? Oh my God. So now we got like open flames up as high as the top of the truck. And listeners, that for oh. you is about between four, four and a half feet <laughs> high flames up the side of this vehicle. And it's right over top of a two inch pipe leading into 25 liters of gasoline in the tank. And I thought, this thing is going to blow. We, this thing, I was afraid, you know, I, I put the carpet in, try to smother it, didn't work. And I was kind of afraid to keep trying because I thought any second it was just going to absolutely explode. Neighbor came by and he saw it was happening and he grabbed the blanket and pulled it out of there and that instantly almost extinguished it. 
just the blanket. Oh, yeah. And so I got the carpet out after that. And then Moby got there with the hose and there was a couple of little bits of flame on the ground and I'm inside and he just hosed the whole thing down and that was the end. So we came here into the shed and had a cup of coffee and a couple of cookies and let the adrenaline perk out of our systems. Oh, man. And then we went back out and siphoned all the gas out of the tank and got it out of there, you know, without any further problem. But I'm telling you, that's... I've done some stuff with gas tanks before. So this could have happened at any time in the last 40 years. It's not an old guy thing. In fact, for yeah. old guys, we were lucky we didn't kill ourselves. But, uh, oh, man, Jesus. I really thought it was going to blow. But it didn't. The end. Wow. Next time, too old for that. Um, quick addendum to the, is, am I on? Yeah. Yeah. To the truck story. So Jute called me and said, call me back. I got, I got an idea. So Jute's idea is uh, he wants to do a vintage car tour of Alberta, I believe. Anyway, he talked about that a little bit, but I told him the gas tank story. And he just launched into seven different aviation gas stories, like <laughs> dangerous, like that. Ooh, Avgas is the really high stuff. And and planes and yeah. hangars and like just craziness. Anyway, it was quite fun because he, <laughs> he went on for quite some time. Well, it makes me feel a lot better because you got to be a real pro to work on planes. Yeah. And if real pros are doing dumb crap like that, I'm happy. Well, just one of the, you know, one guy, you could see, you could see fumes like there was gas dripping from a, a wing, I assume. You could see fumes, but you couldn't. And he he's and then he could see sparks. Ooh, very close. And he had locked out the electrical, like you lock out at Kaminko, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, some guy said, "Oh, I need some power, so I just turned it on." And there's just some wires hanging down. They're just sparking, and they're very close to these fumes that are just wafting up and down. Anyway, stuff like that, Ooh, stories wow. like that. Well, that's right. While we were working on that tank, you could see the fumes too. You oh, could just that's so scary. See them just rippling the air. Yeah, because it's funny. I, I think I'm. I would never test this, but I, I think if you throw a match into gasoline, it won't explode. It'll it, just. You got to have some air. It'll just kind of burn. But it's the fumes that that are the biggest oh. risk. Well, I don't know. We got lucky. We really did. I yeah, and just, uh, I, I'm really surprised about um, Mr. Rolls Royce walking by. You, you, he's the guy who pulled the blankets out, right? Just how calm he was about the whole thing, almost like it was, oh, it's just something that happens, right? Well, it's good he came by because we were going down the wrong track. Yeah, like I tried smothering it. Good thought, he, no execution. Uh, but he just take away the fuel, and he just took away the fuel, and that was pretty near the end of it. But of course, there was is a fire extinguisher right inside the front door. <laughs> he I didn't know that. Of course, we would have probably killed ourselves trying to get the damn door open. You know, crowbar. We need a crowbar. <laughs> so, was he driving a Rolls Royce? This guy. He's got a Rolls Royce up the street. Yeah. Oh, okay. and he works on it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty uh, icy calm, though. I gotta say, he's been through this before. I don't know, but he just first rodeo. he just immediately saw two old guys monkeying around. Uh, now they got a fire and they're running around like a couple of chickens and he just yanked the blanket out and that really just about did it. Yeah. I still don't really understand why the whole gas tank didn't go up. I don't really get Et that. Moi. 
you know, like, because it was right there. Like, it's a big open pipe. And the flames came right to the open yeah, pipe. Yeah, they've gone right past mm-hmm. the open pipe leading into... So you're thinking up. that the... Um the fumes coming out of that open pipe should have ignited, and then you're thinking they would have shot down yeah. into the tank. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they work like that. Well, so, I just don't know. I maybe you're right. I have. Uh, I'm saying I don't understand because why if that was true, go. then the spark. Yeah, the spark at the gas station, which you're always afraid of, that'll cause the fumes to blow. But if if it actually made its way down and the whole tank blew, that would be enough to blow up the entire city block kind of thing probably well you know you know it's it's enough energy there to move a, a two-ton there well it's enough energy to move a two-ton object about a hundred miles to princeton or whatever about a hundred miles <laughs> okay. yeah so because that's what you get out of 25 liters of gas isn't it oh that's nice to know well it's a lot it was the neighborhood yeah it's a lot <laughs> and it just didn't just oh, I don't, I don't think about it much anymore, though, Skinny. I don't either, because Solid as house, humans, though. we're evolved to not dwell on past failures. It's, oh, no, it's a great story. Just assume that uh, that was a one-off and nothing stupid like that could ever happen. One day you'll be jute to somebody else. That's right. Yeah, well, that's maybe right. today's I the day. Tell you a story. There might be several listeners perking up their ears about the time they did something crazy with their lawnmower and it didn't work out, or... Well, weed whip or yeah i remember in front of um the big house in columbia mowing the lawn with a can of gas <laughs> filling up the gas and for some reason deciding to play with matches wow why not eh well because everybody knows it's wildly dangerous that's why i don't know if if i was trying to light gas close or but flames went up in one of those old tin yeah. five gallon or no two gallon probably and the flames went up the side of it and that was it they didn't <laughs> like the 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 top was, i think was closed but it had one one of those little air spouts on it hmm. i think that's just another one of those lucky things that the flames go up the side and i don't know if they just went out or if i i I can't remember what happened after that Mm. but i'm still alive well rj's theory might be it it might be that the gas is evaporating quickly enough that it creates a flow outwards that prevents burning back down i think that's your theory Mm. Uh, might be that i don't know i just uh, don't know all i know oxygen down there so yeah all i know is real glad it didn't go because that would have been this would be a really different podcast yeah yeah do you want snappers yes yes please let's do snappers i have i have one that i just thought i didn't write this one down it was i was working with dylan just a couple days ago and i said i don't know if i said it out loud but i said a man after my own heart and i thought after my own heart like what does that mean like you're doing what I like you to do or I, yeah. Like my heart responds to these behaviors and you are exhibiting those behaviors. So therefore you are a man. My heart recognizes. Yes. You are oh. a man after my own heart. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. I'm sure what that comes okay. from. It's almost like, I love what you're doing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love the way you go. Yeah. You're thinking like I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, first word is welcome back to KJ snappers. First word is encomiums, E-N-C-O-M-I-U-M-S. And do you want to shoot at it? I haven't 
a sample here of where it is. Okay, I will need context. Encomium. I've, I've heard this word before, but I need the context. Sondheim's death led to fresh encomiums for his unparalleled legacy. Okay, well, those would be uh, forms of approbations. <laughs> Uh, I would say, you know, people, people are saying nice things about his legacy, but I, I don't have any idea. Okay. I'm going to go with a guess here, which is an encomium is a financial input. It's financial reward, a financial thing. So sometimes death. Why led, do you say financial? Sometimes death led to go ahead with the rest of that quote. I can't remember. Sondheim's death led to fresh encomiums for his unparalleled legacy. Yeah, so sometimes people would die and he'd get richer as a result. And his legacy was this massive amount of money he's going to leave Oh, so behind. it's like more so residuals. Think, well, yeah, I think an encomium is a financial consideration. I'm going to say it's praise. Well, it's not econ. So I'm just wondering where you get the financial out of that ecom. He's, he's kind of remembering it. I'm he's thinking he remembers something. Walking it right out of oh. the region. Okay, I have I have encomium, a speech or piece of writing that praises someone or something highly. Oh, way to go, RJ! Nails it. Thank nails you. It. Thank you very much. But I th I felt the context made it kind of clear. But oh no, good. That's excellent. I didn't know that. So good. Next. Yeah. I'm going to say resiling, R-E-S-I-L-I-N-G, resiling, and I have a sample. Give me the sample. I've never heard Add this. to the mix Zelensky resiling from his election pledges. Ooh. Backing down from or reneging on is the way I feel. I'm sure what it sounds like. But w why go to resiling? Why not go to reneging? Yeah, that's, or... that, isn't that always the question? I no idea. I've never heard that word before. All right, shall we look it up? Why not? Resiling. To resile. Abandon a position or a course of action. Right, renege means, renege is a little bit more negative. It means we had a deal and you went back on it. This one's just a little softer than that. It's basically saying, yeah, that's what I thought I should do. It's what I thought we should do, but I decided to abandon that. Not a good idea. And it happens in politics all the time, right? Like either they're lying. I'm sure that happens all the time. Or other times they genuinely think you should do something. And once they get the experts, oh, by the way, boss, let us fill you in on well, why that's a bad idea. Then they're going to yeah. resile, yeah. which oh. is not, not as, you know, I think reneging is really a harsher word. Right? Mm. Okay, good. Nice one. Nice. Well, we're going to have to use that all the time now. Yeah. Yes. I think you'll find that resiling is I a useful I think I'm going to use it because I, you can use it to kind of get away with stuff now. <laughs> right? You said that we were going to... I resiled. Well, I have to resile on that. I'm going to resile it because... The next one is Cupy. K-E-W-P-I-E, as in Cupy doll. And I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen it. I I've saw it written. And so it's K-E-W-P-I-E. And right. I've never yeah. seen that. I don't even know. I'm, so it's sort of... What does it mean anyway? It's always uh, done in the context of fairs. And how about a Cupid doll for your little girlfriend? Yeah, and I always thought that would be C-U something, right? Like right. as in cute. I always knew it was Cupid, K-E-W, and the frequent reference is 
some woman has a Cupid doll face. I mean, she has bright uh, little button eyes and red cheeks and a little bow mouth and stuff. She's got a Cupid doll face, but why the hell are Cupid dolls as opposed to uh, any other kind of doll? I don't know. No idea. None. Yeah, I don't know the etymology or, I mean, we kind of know what they are. Yeah. You win for popping all the balloons. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're almost always in a fair context. PJ, you looking that one up? No. Ooh, there's a thing called Cupy mayonnaise. Nice. We're going to have to get to the bottom of that too, but first, Cupy doll. <laughs> so many oh, doors opening. <laughs> guess what? It was a brand of dolls. Ah. So it wasn't just a generic concept. It was a brand of doll. Oh, and there's the doll. And they're, they're kind of a little creepy looking. We'll put a photo of this if you're <laughs> looking at this segment right now. And we'll put it on the website. It's a brand of dolls and figurines that were conceived of as comic strip characters by cartoonist Rosie O'Neill. The illustrated cartoons, appearing as baby Cupid characters, ah, began to gain popularity after the publication of her comic strips in 1909. And then she began to illustrate and sell paper doll versions of the Cupies. So it's the old merchandising. And that would be... Uh K-E-W-P-I-D for Cupid? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Cupid spelled normally, but I think, you know, when you make a brand name, you, uh, know, yeah. you kind of yeah. respell things yeah. to make it more copyrightable. Maybe it's a uh, corruption of cutie. Cutie. Well, I mean, that's a Cupid doll. The characters were first produced as Beesk dolls. Who knows what a Beesk doll is? You know, <laughs> we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We got a different rabbit hole to go down here. A, Tomato Beesk doll. Yeah, exactly. Isn't a Beesk some kind of dish way of making soup or something? Cold like? soup, I think, a, isn't it? I guess. I don't it's know. It's a field full of rabbit holes here. Let's do a Cupy Mayo. Cupy Mayo, 500 grams plus one free onion dressing gift. With its rich and creamy texture made from egg yolks and a unique blend of vinegars, the umami style. Umami. Umami. Japanese something. A little peas. No, it's a, it's, it's, it's a sense. It's a taste sense. You got your bitter, you got your oh, sweet, you got your oh, sour, you got your something else. Well you done, got your umami. Well done. Because mm. he walked, us, he walked us through that thing in exactly that same <laughs> order and tone months ago. <laughs> That's right. And we can look forward to it again two or three times in the next, you know, eight, ten months. Rich, bold, iconic flavor, the Cupy mayonnaise, product of Japan. Well, I think it has nothing to do with Cupy no, at all, but uh, it's spelled the same way. Ah, uh, okay. All right, gang. Next. Moving on. I, I wrote down okay here. Where did it come from? Okay. Oh. I think we have the meaning now. Oh, oh, oh. I think I looked it up. Right, because there is kind of a thing like where did where did it come from originally? When did it start getting used? It's kind of an interesting. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I've lost whatever I had. I didn't write it down. Do so. any of us have the, uh, isn't there some kind of urban myth about the letters O and K standing for something? Yes, and it stands for the opposite of what we, it, it actually is, yeah, the opposite of what we think okay means. I think the okay, it's, it might be olfactory knowledge or something. I, I'm sorry. Right. I, maybe I'm thinking of another word that I looked up with initials. Origin of the term okay. Well, Rich, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Okay is an English word originating in American English, denoting approval, acceptance, agreement, assent, acknowledgement, or a sign of indifference. 
It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's frequently used as a loan word in other languages. I guess loaned from English. Oh, yeah, South Asian for sure. Okay's origins are disputed. However, most modern reference works hold that it originated around Boston as part of a fad for misspelling yes. in the late 1830s and originally stood for all correct. O-L-L. Right, right, yeah. right. So I did look this up. All right. All correct. Spelling has evolved over time. O-L-L sounds mildly German to me. Same thing with correct with a K. With a K, yeah. So, and yes. And I think there's other names like that that came okay. out of misspelling around the same time in different newspapers, mm. according to my research, which I forgot. Your deep research. Moving on. Moving on. Right away. Cocktail. Because I believe you made an old-fashioned here, right? Yes, I did. Yes. So I was responsible for my one large piece in the play was to do this monologue while making an old-fashioned. Oh, so you did decide to go with the old-fashioned. The director did. Well, that was my recommendation. Yeah. Man. Did he get a credit? Oh, shit. No. Oh. Uh, in the remount. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. It's get, getting picked up. They wouldn't sell us our costumes. Really? Oh, really? Oh, so there is going to be a remount. show. Well, it like I said, well, I sure saw positive stuff yeah. about it. Yeah. But oh, that's interesting. So there you go. There's hope yet. Because mm -hmm. they, they, somebody somewhere could figure out the old-fashioned was the perfect accent for this show. So tell me, as you mix it, did you do the full thing? Shaking some bitters in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sugar cube. Oh, sugar cube. Okay. Four things. And there's very, you, you can make your own syrup, right? Simple syrup. Yeah. Simple syrup. Uh, sugar cube, four shakes, a teaspoon of water. Gotcha. Uh, then crush, 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 crush. Right. And so you're going to dissolve, you're basically making simple syrup on the fly. Yeah. But I didn't dissolve. Uh, didn't matter. Time limited. Yeah. Ice, two shots of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Stir, 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 stir. Yeah. Spiral spoon? Si, senor. Oh, my God. All right. Did you have one of those, you do it right in the old-fashioned glass, probably? No, in the mixing oh, glass. you got the mixing glass. Ooh. And I, I use the same spoon for the teaspoon of water. Uh-huh. And then prep the drink glass with two large ice cubes. Gotcha. Not, not clear, unfortunately. I learned how to make clear ones. Oh, so they're cloudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But large is fine. I mean, the whole idea with large is less surface area. Right. Yeah. And then strainer, pour over, so out of the ice, into the ice. Okay. Right. Oh. And then the orange. Oh, strain. Oh, that's. And okay. twist. You got to twist it above. Twist, yeah. And I don't know if I did it all the time, but you do the edge with the orange. Oh. Okay. And then plop it in and finish your monologue. Nice. And then I would sit down instantly, and we were on stage for the whole time, and I would always smell my fingers because they smelled like orange. Oh, that so orange great. is fantastic. Some people know how to do the little twist with a flame, and it goes poof. Oh. Because it's orange oil that yes, comes, yes, comes yes. out. Yeah. But then, does that, what happens there? Does it go into the drink? To, yeah, uh, I don't know what it's used for. It's I can't remember which cocktail you use it for. It's really just for, for when you have friends over you want to show yeah. off, or, or bartenders at bars will do it, right? Watch it, just boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> that old 
pumping alcohol right beside you there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that was in uh, SFB? SFB, yes. And another, just a quick little side note. So my only little chunks were to the audience. And at the end of one, I say, when I was maybe six or seven, I had a turtle named Mr. Hardtax. And one day there was this, somebody comes in and interrupts me. And it's just a an out-of-nowhere thing. So we're in contact with the writer. For some reason, he took great interest in this production for whatever reason. Like, it was written in 2013. Oh. And, oh, he happens to be a cousin of somebody in the cast. Okay. Small world. I think he's New York or Chicago or something. Anyway, I, I said to the director, ask him who Mr. Hardtax is. Like, what, what's the, what, what happens what is the dangling rest of the story? Yeah. And he came back with a rather detailed, he wrote an adaptation of The Cherry Orchard called The Cherry Torture, where Madame Ravidich's has a turtle and throws it against the wall in a rage of something, and then they try to super glue this poor turtle back together or something. That turtle was called Mr. Hardtax. He doesn't know where the story goes, but... Yeah. And then there's a reference to... um, who are the old Ionesco and what are those writers called? Beckett. Those guys, the absurdists, maybe? There's a some play that he loved where there was somebody called Mr. Hardtax or uh, an animal. Anyway, that's just a little aside. The end. Nice. Going back to my list. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah, next let's one. do it. Uh, next one is egoism slash egotism. Yes. And I, I think I heard the word egoism, and I thought, why isn't that egotism? Right, uh, right, yes. Skinny. Nothing. Zero, nothing. I got... But, but you know that there, there is two words? Ego. No, that's yes. what I mean. I got nothing. I didn't even know there were two words. Yeah. Ah. So we would all say egotism. Yes, right? I would agree with that. And I, when I first started seeing egoism... I just felt that it was a snooty person's version of the same word and that it's probably more correct. And therefore it's the kind of person who will correctly pronounce machinations, that kind of person. <laughs> or detritus. They're, they're the ones who say egoism. That kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh, uh, don't you think, Moe? Well, yes, that yes. sounds like that's what you yes. thought. Did you look it up? or No, I didn't. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's your job, isn't it? <laughs> you guys ready for the definition of egoism? Lay it yes. on us. Noun. Another term for egotism. <laughs> Does it say, is there, a, is there like a little SN period, the abbreviation for snooty? In philosophy, an ethical theory that treats self-interest as the foundation of morality. Well, that's interesting. I've been saying for years that all behavior is self-serving. I know you say that Maslow, all the time. Because it is. All the good and the bad in the world arises from us serving ourselves. So is that egoism? I don't know. I, I really don't. Or egotism, whichever. An ethical theory that treats self-interest interest as the foundation of morality. And that's exactly what you like to say. I think this comes down to people with the two different kinds of chemicals in their brains, right? (laughs) There's the people that feel natural. When he says chemicals, do you just know he's going off into the weeds? There's the, 
you know, there's the people that feel a natural empathy to others and just feels good to see other people feel good. And then there's the people who are basically psychopaths and they, they're really good at pretending to feel good, but in, in essence they don't. Right. And this, you know, this comes down to Republican versus liberal. There's a lot of this going on all the time. Nice. And I think it's the psychopaths that are constantly thinking it's in my best interest to, you know, to feel good about others. I'm going to do something good for you because it helps me. And that this founder of the philosophy, another term for egotism, this philosophy, the ethical theory that treats self-interest as the foundation of morality. That's one of those people. Uh. Yeah. I think they're Hobbes, not Locke. That's what I'm thinking. It's a good thing I took philosophy 101. It's the only thing I remember from the whole class. I know we're feeling good about it. That and free will versus determinism. I'm so excited over here on, on the truck bench, personally. Well, so so are you telling me that you think I'm a psychopathic I do, Republican? Yes. Okay. I think you're, yes. Good to know. <laughs> Just wanted to be clear on that for our listening audience in case they missed any of the subtle inference there. I did park behind someone yesterday when we went to Enzo's place and uh, they were parked at the church and their license plate was altruism. Well, I don't know. I don't think I'm a psychopathic Republican. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> when you see a dog, I'm sure you get warm and fuzzy all over or do you think hmm i'm supposed to feel warm and fuzzy when i see it yeah yeah i have a constant <laughs> conscious internal monologue that weighs up the odds of getting caught doing stuff and how well everything's gonna serve me Sometimes I'll go silent for a couple of seconds and it's because the little internal calculator is just working a little too hard. Rich? <laughs> I'm sorry, Sid. <laughs> Jesus. And this is one of those times. It's working really hard right now. What if I just leapt from my chair and brained him with one of Buddy's sticks? Oh, Rich certainly like that one. I've been crying here. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I'm moving on. Okay, move on. Uh, yeah, that's please. We're move running on. out of time here. So, because "Stupid Fucking Bird" is based on the seagull written by Chekhov in the 1890s, oh, I believe. hence the cherry orchard thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is that guy's mo. Perhaps I don't okay. know. So I read, of course, the original Seagull, which I've done a workshop. I, I remember I thought it was kind of a cool play, but you know the term that's in the original Seagull. What the deuce? Oh. And I thought, isn't that a Stewie on... Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. But... It's every upper class twit. Do we know what that means, Skinny? Nope. What, what the deuce? Mm -mm. I'm going to say deuce is a polite word for the devil or Satan, but mm -hmm. I'm just making it up. What nice. the devil? Yeah. Mm. In, in polite company, you don't invoke the devil, oh, generally right. speaking. He who must not be named. Yeah. I don't know. Right and sinister. Or, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm going to stick with that juice. because I have no idea where that would have come from. Guess Here, I should turn my clicker off. Here it comes now, listeners. What the deuce or etymological devilry. A homonym Skinny. of deuce devil is deuce two at dice or cards. This person writes in mysterious ways. <laughs> They probably say egoism too. Fuckers. They almost certainly do. Yeah. The devil is uppermost in people's thoughts. Not true. And his <laughs> names are many. 
One of them is Old Nick. Its origin is obscure. And it goes on and on. We could read this all. Special special three-hour segment of KJ's Snappers. (laughs) It's a long essay. Tiresome crap we have read this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, good guess, Skinny. Yeah. Not guess. No, it was a guess. I don't know. I I don't know why. Um, Okay, next one, because I only got two more. Both, oh no, three more. Caprice. Hmm. Caprice. So, of course, a car model from the 70s or something. Yeah, big giant boat. Was there? But also, I think there used to be an old buggy that horses would pull called a Caprice, I I believe. I don't know that. And is Caprice a a name of a little, like a sonata, a Caprice? Maybe. Hmm. I'm going to say the word is puff of wind. Ooh. But I don't know that. Again, Ooh. I don't know why I'm saying that. I just puff feel that that's... Oh, wind. That's good skin. Yeah, like a zephyr is also a puff of wind. Oh, is it? And a, I think a caprice. A caprice is also, of course, you know, capricious oh. is a root word, but it could like be the same flighty. thing. Flighty? Yeah, oh. light and unpredictable and... Windy. Light, <laughs> lighthearted. Yeah, windy. So I, I don't know. Caprice might be a bit of wind. Capricious. I always think that's a little bit mischievous. It is. And, and yeah. it's unpredictable and it's lighthearted. Oh. Well, a caprice is, and I did not know this, a sudden and unaccountable change of mood or behavior. Oh, nice. The caprices of electorate, a land where men were ruled by law and not by caprice. Interesting. So I actually have, I use capricious from time to time and I didn't exactly know what it meant. I wonder what the root word though is. The root word have any capriccio. The caprice was divided into a theme and 11 variations. Music. In music, Uh, a caprice is another term for capriccio. Capriccio. And there are variations. So maybe that that's kind of similar, isn't it? Like uh, you're suddenly changing your mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're suddenly changing the sound. Nice. Okay. Well, that's a nice one. I won't remember it, but <laughs> maybe next time I use capricious, I'll be a little bit better about that. The penultimate word is cavil. Uh, cattle? Cavil. C A V I L. Okay. And the example I have is you must admit that it is petty to cavil at life at 62 years of age. To cavil at life, mm. gentlemen. I guess to complain about life. Hundred. That's what it is. A cavil is a complaint, and it. I think the connotation is it's sort of a petty, kind of grumpy kind of thing. It's not necessarily justifiable to mm. complain. Mm. So you are caviling, or you have a cavil. I don't know why that word is it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Yeah, I'd never heard of that word before, but you got it, right? Oh, I have. I've yeah. heard that one before. Yeah. And in fact, I think it might might be one of those ones that comes up in in, in association with old people, like the caviling of old men. You know, like yeah, I, I think we've it might already be been those. doing that earlier today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do it every day. You guys do it caviling all day, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm not figuring out the odds of pretending to be happy, because of course I also figure out the odds of. Caviling benefiting me consciously. Yeah. I do that all the time. I'm doing it right now. Richie continues to crack up at all those sorts of things. The okay, last one, which would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? Yes, it uh, would. It would, yes. Uh, iota. Ah, well, I think we know what that means, right? A small drop. Yeah, 
tiny, tiny and, bit. And w- w- where would that come from? Iota is kind of a... Mm, for some reason, I'm... Japanese. I'm, I'm thinking of a tiny drop of ink, but that's just flew into my head for some That's what I'm thinking, too. I actually think it's a punctuation term. Hmm. I, I don't know. Again, mm. why would I even say that out loud? It's, mm. You're so well-rounded. You got your iotas, like the comma and the period. Yeah, I think it is a punctuation thing. Yeah. I'll and, get on this one. And so, okay. KJ's on this. Um, the ninth letter of the Greek alphabet. Ah. Oh, and I'll bet you it's a tiny little letter. <laughs> it's an I. Uh, an infinitesimal amount, jot, examples of the rooms were impeccably decorated with not an iota of clutter. Um, hmm. You got your alpha and omega. In, you got your iota. Oh, oh, we need to go to um, origin. A rose because iota is the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. There you go. So we pretty well had it. We were very, very yeah, close. Yeah. How there. strange to think. Like, what's the what's the smallest letter of the English alphabet? Yeah. Is it like? Aren't the they le- kind of all the same? It's probably the letter I because it's, yeah. it only has one stroke, and yeah, that's the only letter. One. The letter L is a bigger stroke, right? So, yeah. I wonder what the biggest letter of the Greek alphabet is. Maybe epsilon. Do we do we call really huge things that? You know, that's the Enormous. omega of all spaceships or something. Yeah, what, omega, what? mega, M-E-G. Huge. <sighs> omega. I wonder. And the alpha and the, old, on that is the omega the final letter? Because it's the alpha and the omega. I just don't know. And... On that, that is the end of the Snappers for this beautiful day, which happens to be Uncle Tom of Trails' birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Um, I think he'll Tom. listen in the future. He, he does, I think. 